Well, good morning, Citygate Church and all of our online guests. Here we are in the second part of our series on the glorious church of Jesus Christ. And last Sunday, I really just laid some foundation that God's plan for the church is that the church is glorious and victorious. And the Lord Jesus himself said, I'm going to build this thing in the earth to turn the world upside down. But today, I'm going to ask you to go back to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read the passage of scripture again, um, just in case you didn't hear it. Last Sunday, and it says, Now, when they heard this, Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and all the rest of the apostles, Men and brothers, what shall we do? And he said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to remove your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, all those who the Lord your God will call. And then uh, with all these other words, he testified, he exalted saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were all baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to the church and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, the breaking of bread and in Prayers, then fear came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. All who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions. They sold their goods and they gave to people. They divided and they gave to all the people as anyone had need. So continuing every day with one accord in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and with simplicity simplicity of heart. They praised God having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church, there it is, every day those who were being saved. We're going to carry on with this series today and again here we have 3,000 people added to the 120 on the first day. 3,000 souls were added to the church. Why? Because Jesus said I will build my church and God's plan is that the church of Jesus Christ fills the whole earth as a city on a hill, as salt and light, as a lamp on a lampstand, as God's compassion, God's power in the earth today. The church is not just a Sunday gathering. It's not just a small group in a house. The church is the body, the bride, the temple, the army. Um, It's the family of Almighty God where Jesus Christ is Lord. He gave himself for the church in order that the church can grow and fill this whole world with the love and with the power of Jesus Christ. Today, I want to talk about the cry of the church. I'm not talking about tears crying. I'm talking about what comes out from the church, what is announced from the church, the heart cry of the church. As we think about this today, I've been really stirred about what the church the high calling of the church is. We know it's to be Christ-like. But when the Lord was raised from the dead and he stood on the mountaintop, he said this, he said, go into all the world. And he didn't just say love people. He didn't just say heal people. He didn't just say make a great society. He didn't just say prosper financially. He didn't just say have a great family. All of those things are as a result of the power of the church in a community. He said this, He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't just say, have a nice conversation with somebody. He didn't just say, be a good person. He said, 
preach the gospel, preach the good news. And the Bible's clear from the book of Acts. When the church was scattered, it says everybody went everywhere and they preached the good news of Jesus Christ. Here we've read in Acts chapter 2, it says people were cut to the heart. See, something happened when they spoke that day. Something happened when they prayed and the fire fell and the Holy Spirit was poured out and one man stood up and he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet in the Old Testament. After this, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And he says some other things about prophetic stuff and prayer. And he said, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's an old-fashioned word. Perhaps it's not very nice today. Perhaps it isn't a word we use very much. You know, I certainly don't go around to people saying, you must be saved. You've got to be saved. But today, I want us to get a bit of an understanding of the power of salvation. And this high calling of the church is to bring salvation into a generation. This is what the church is all about. It says there in Acts 2, they were cut to the heart and said, what must we do? And then Peter said, you must be saved from this perverse environment. See, something's got to happen in the heart of a person to get them out of what everybody's in. So as we go through this today, I believe God wants to stir something in our hearts. You see, in Acts, there was no ambiguity. There was no doubt. There was no fumbling with words. There was no, what word should we use? Lukewarmness about the power of the gospel. The Bible says that the, this news about the Lord Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation. So today we're going to go back to a little bit of the foundational stuff of the power of preaching. What is the stuff we're supposed to be saying? What are we supposed to be telling the world? And what is the result of that powerful preaching? So my first point today really is the power of preaching. It's very clear from the Gospels that everywhere the Lord Jesus went, it says he preached, he taught, and people came from all over to hear the words he spoke. I sometimes sit and think, I wonder how I would have felt to have heard the words of Jesus. I've heard some great preachers in my time. I'm sure you have too. I've had the honor of sitting under some of the greatest preachers, some of the greatest teachers. It's as if God's word just rolls off their tongue. It's as if when you hear them speak, it's as if heaven opens and you're just receiving from Almighty God. It's as if God is speaking to me in person. Of course, there are going to be some things of style that, you know, some people prefer this style or that style, but that really starts to get into an area that we should avoid, really. It... it it has to do with the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon a person's life and the word that is coming out from the abundance of their heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've had the honor of sitting under some great teachers, some great preachers. I've been stirred emotionally. I've been brought to tears. I've been brought to repentance. I've been brought to great places of faith. I've seen the most incredible things as people preach and people are set free. But I would have loved 
to have sat there on the Sermon on the Mount when the Lord Jesus Christ preached. I would have loved to have been in the temple courts when Jesus spoke. I would have loved to have heard how he said, Satan, let go of people's lives or come forth you know, from the tomb. I would have loved to have heard him because I absolutely know that as Jesus spoke the word of God, something stirred in the heart of people. I know from Acts chapter 2 here, it says they were cut to the heart. That's not just some emotional response. That's the work of the Holy Spirit as God's word is spoken. It's my prayer every Sunday here and every time I hear the word of God or every time I have the opportunity to speak God's word, that it's more than just words in someone's mouth or in my mouth, that it's the, it's the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out which cuts someone to the heart. The Bible says that God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword and it absolutely cuts, it sort of divides us up on the inside, the spirit and the flesh and how we feel to what God's doing in our lives. It's the work of the word and it's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul said this, I didn't come to you with just wise words, persuasive words of man's ideas. He said, I came with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and in power. The Lord Jesus Christ said, go and preach. There's a power in preaching. I believe it's something that needs to be central again in the body of Christ. That the power of the preached word of God is what God anoints to set captives free. The Bible says, how are people ever going to believe unless they hear a preacher? And how are they ever going to hear a preacher unless somebody is sent to preach? There is a power in the preached word of Almighty God. Just some people here that really inspired me some quotes. Just listen to this. Dr. Lloyd Jones says this, To me, the work of preaching is the highest and the greatest and the most glorious calling to which anyone can ever be called. And if you want something in addition to that, I would say that without any hesitation that the most urgent need in the Christian church today is true and powerful preaching of the Word of God. Ah, oh, doesn't that inspire you today to listen to the preached Word of God? I know it does to me. Listen to this. 18th of October, 1749, John uh, Wesley was about to preach and it says there was an incredible mob that came to surround the house. They were throwing stones. They were smashing the place up. They broke down the door in order to come in to be violent. Listen to this. He says this, and... I believed that the time had now come and I went into the thickest of them and they were now filled all the rooms below and I called for a chair. He said, the winds hushed. It was all calm and still. My heart was filled with love. My eyes were filled with tears and my mouth was filled with arguments. They were amazed. They were astonished. They were cut to the heart, they were melted right down and they devoured every word. What a turn this was. They came to, I don't know if they came to kill him, they certainly came to smash the place up. Yet he stood up in the middle and he preached the word of God 
and they came to Christ. The power of the preached word. The church is to be a place and a group of people who preach the word of Almighty God. There is power in the preached word. Heaven forbid that we ever compromise the preached word and we just get into a little debate here and there. There is power in the preached word of God. The Bible says in Acts 2 that Peter stood up and he declared, and you find it time and time again, they declared with a loud voice, with a passion. They were stirred up on the inside. This wasn't just a, you know, a presentation with a few PowerPoints. This was the anointed word of Almighty God that was delivered out of a heart of faith under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which absolutely cut people to the heart. It didn't just inform their intellect or give them a few verses to think about. This isn't just a nice verse for the day to just encourage us and make us feel good about ourselves. This is the preached word of Almighty God. The preached word of Almighty God will set captives free. The preached word will heal the sick. The preached word will cleanse the lepers. The preached word will raise the dead. The preached word of Almighty God is creative and is prophetic and can speak right into the heart of a generation to bring transformation to a world. The preached Word of Almighty God. People that are hungry for the Word and they fed themselves with the Word and they're overflowing with the Word and it pours out in their everyday life. Of course, we're not you know, even suggesting here today that everybody is called to stand on a platform or, or in some way to preach the Word in that sort of a way. But Jesus said, go into all the world and He said it to every disciple, preach the Word of God. I believe today that as we all, all shine as a light in our own environment, that God will give us opportunities to share the Word of God. I believe in the powerful preaching of God's Word, but I also believe that God opens up doors for just us to have great conversations with people over a cup of coffee, over the garden fence, in the pub, on the train going to work. That God's Word needs to come out of our mouths and into the society that we live in. The glorious church is a place of powerful preaching and releasing of the word of God. So we found out that we need to preach God's word and that's how God operates so many times in the Old Testament. As people spoke, whole nations were transformed. The nation of Israel was sorted out just as somebody gave the word of God when he preached here on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people came to Christ as Jesus preached. People were set free time and time again. But it's important that we know what is the message. What are we supposed to be preaching? What are we supposed to be saying? Well, all the way through the Bible, all the way through the book of Acts rather, it says they preached the word of God. That doesn't just mean they preached all the Old Testament or obviously half the New Testament hadn't even been penned at that point. These people were the ones who wrote the New Testament but they preached the word of God. And it's actually quite clear from Acts chapter 10 and around verse 35, 6, 7 and 8, it says the word that was preached is this, how God empowered with the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. The word that I believe God wants us to be preaching firstly is this, that Jesus Christ has got the power to set captives free. 
We're not just, you know, speaking a nice word of self-help and a little bit of self, you know, to feel good about yourself. We're talking about the power of God to set the captives free. And here from Acts chapter 2, it's really clear. They said, what must we do? And the great cry of the church, the great cry that came out of the Apostle Peter was this. You need to be saved. You need to be saved. Again, there's that old-fashioned word again. You need to be saved. Now, that word is an incredible word. Sozo, soteria, salvation. It means healing. It means deliverance. It means being set free. It means so many things, coming into the abundant life of God. But first and foremost, it means this, that you need to be saved from sin and death. You need to be saved from everything Jesus died on the cross in order to give us eternal abundant life. See, the Bible is really clear that sin will kill you, but God wants to give you life. And he said you need to be saved from this perverse um, generation. He said you must be born again. Can I say it like that? Somebody else asked Jesus once and said, what must I do to you know, to go to heaven, to inherit eternal life and, you know, to, to end up in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said this, you must be born again. He could have said this, you need to be saved. You need to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. You see, there's no ambiguity about it. It's really clear in God's word that Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way into eternity with Almighty God, and that is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not a self-help club. It's not just a nice environment. It's, it's certainly just not a gospel of Jesus will make you happy. It's, it's an offer of salvation. And it was really clear in Acts chapter 2. This is what started the church. You must be saved. You must be saved. Again, just to hear a quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the term to decide for Christ has always seemed to me to be quite wrong. This is a strong quote here right, right now. A sinner does not decide for Christ. He said the sinner flies to Christ in utter helplessness and despair, saying, Foul, I fly to the fountain. Wash me, Saviour, or I die. This is quite poetic language, but stick with me. He says this, No man truly comes to Christ unless he flies to him as his only refuge and hope. His only way of escape from the accusations of his conscience and the condemnation of God's holy law. There isn't anything else that is satisfactory. If a man says that having thought about the matter and having considered all the sides of the argument, he has on the whole decided for Christ, and if he has done so without any emotion or any feeling, I cannot regard him as a man who has been born again. Wow, that's really strong. It's, he says here, he says this... A sinner doesn't any more decide for Christ than a poor man who's drowning 
decides to take hold of a rope that is thrown to him and suddenly provides him with the only means of escape. The term to decide is entirely inappropriate. That's really challenging. I use the term and have done for a long time to make a decision for Christ. But what that is saying and what I absolutely believe from Acts chapter 2 is that it's the work of the Holy Spirit that brings people to Christ. They were cut to the heart. It wasn't just an intellectual decision. It wasn't just that they'd received a bit of love on a Sunday. It was that the work of God had been achieved so powerfully in their lives. They were cut to the heart and they were crying out, what must we do to be saved? I believe this is the place of the church in our society today. To not condemn people, to not point the finger and to judge and to not be harsh on people, but to be so flooded with the glory of God and the power of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, to be so filled with the Word of God that as we speak out in compassion and in love from the God that we know are pouring out of the streams of the Holy Spirit out from our heart, that people are cut to the heart, not because of wise and persuasive words, not because of great multi media but because of the anointing fire and power of the Holy Spirit that people are cut to the heart and say what must we do to be saved I know that's what happened to me 36 years ago I didn't even understand half of what had happened on the night I gave my life to Christ but all I know is this when somebody gave uh, an incredible challenge out of his love he was in tears if I remember rightly and you know just like we read earlier John Wesley with with love in my heart and with tears in my eyes he began to preach the word of God I was cut to the heart my friend by the power and the presence of a God who loved me and died for me. The power of preaching to set the captives free. What is the message? The message is to be saved from the generation. That doesn't just mean from 2021. It means from what is present here on this planet. Well, that's quite a challenge. We live in a generation today that seems to be consumed with a cause to save the creation instead of to serve the Creator. I believe as the church of Jesus Christ, the church glorious, the church victorious, we must be filled with a passion to live for our Creator, to live for the cause of Christ. I believe there's a passion in the heart of God for the generation that we live in, for people to be saved in the generation, to be saved out from the generation that we live in today. The Great Commission is not go and save the planet. It's to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Those that believe will be saved. Those that don't believe are going to be condemned. I want to stand before God, my friend, having ushered thousands of people into the kingdom of God, whether indirectly or you know, through being on TV or, or through the work of the church in the community or whether personally that someone's heard something I've said and they've given their life to Christ. However it happens, church, we want to be instrumental in seeing thousands of people come to Christ to be saved in the middle of this perverse and incredibly broken society that we live in today. Somebody said this, he said, the church has been trying to preach morality and ethics without the gospel as its foundation. 
It's been trying to preach a morality without a godliness. And it simply does not work. It never has done and it never will. And the result is that the church, having abandoned her real task, has left humanity more or less to its own devices. The world's got to hear the message from the heart of the church. The word the church, we'll get into this later in the series, means the called out ones. Ones called out of darkness, of death, of sin, but out of the world that we live in. It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 40, he went on in this vein for a long time. This is one translation of what we've read. Urging them over and over, get out while you can. Get out of this sick and stupid culture. Can you hear the cry of God today? I believe this has got to be the cry of the church. John 17, Jesus prayed, Father, keep them. They're in the world, they're not of the world. They're a completely different society now. The church may still be on the planet, but they're not part of this destruction and the broken society that we live amongst. It says this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. The world is passing away and all its lust, but he who does the will of God abides forever. It says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, As for me, God forbid that I should boast in anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of the cross my interest in all the attractive things of the world was killed a long time ago and the world's interest in me is also long dead. I love that, that scripture that the Apostle Paul is saying. He said, you know what? The world has no attraction to me now. You know, sometimes I, I, I think about things of, you know, actually how different is the church from the world? I believe the church of Jesus Christ is light and the world is clearly darkness. The church of Jesus Christ is love and the world is clearly fearful. The church of Jesus Christ is hope and the world is clearly hopeless. There is such a great goal fixed. There's a kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. And the sermon today, the, the cry of the church that is to pour out of the heart of the church, not in some intense way, but in compassion and in faith and in incredible joy, is come on, be saved from the generation that we live in. Third point today is the packaging. Well, we know about the power of preaching and we know about what we're supposed to be saying, but the packaging is so important. Perhaps what worked in, you know, a hundred years ago isn't going to work today. Perhaps how things worked in the 60s and 70s and 80s isn't going to work today. It's absolutely vital that the church is contemporary, which means existing at the same time as the generation that it lives in. You know what? We've got to understand the generation that we're alive in. Again, to go back to some of those quotes, it was clear there that as people preached, they had a compassion for people. They had a love for people. They weren't just trying to preach God's word. They were speaking into the lives of people speaking into a generation. 
not standing aloof, being, you know, with the fingers pointing and being very judgmental. No, they were in amongst them. The Bible says of the Lord Jesus Christ, everybody loved him except for the religious crowd. Everybody received him gladly. When he spoke, it says he spoke with authority. They said, we've never heard anybody like this before. They didn't say the church is out of touch. The Lord Jesus, you're out of touch with society. We don't want to hear you because you don't understand us. You don't understand our needs. You don't understand the challenges that we have. He absolutely spoke right in. He used words they understood. He used examples that opened their hearts. He said it in a way that the Holy Spirit could take and put right into the heart of the people he was speaking to. There was compassion. How many times have we heard it said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think sometimes the church can be accused of being a bit weird, a bit out of touch, being old-fashioned. And I think that's a very sad thing when Almighty God is so needed today and speaks right into the heart of the generation that we're here in today. I believe the church needs to be credible, and yet the church also needs to be different. It's no good the church, you know, just pretending to be like the world, because Jesus says you're different from the world. If we aren't any different, what are we offering? It says in the 14th chapter of Romans that the kingdom of God, I could say the church, is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The church is different from the world. Let's not try to be like the world. We just read earlier about everything in the world is passing away and all the things of the world. You know, the, if you love the world, then God's love is not on the inside of you. He's not saying if you love people. If you love the style, the spirit, the, the values of the world, then something is very wrong if you call yourself a Christian today. The Bible says we are light in the darkness, a city on a hill. What is the packaging of the church today? There's that Old Testament uh, incredible example where it says Solomon had built this incredible palace, incredible you know, servants and ushers and the food and the fabric and the gold and the ivory and all of these things, absolutely stunning. And it says the queen of um, uh, Sheba came to see him one day. She came with all of her entourage and as she came in, she said, this is twice as good as I was told. And it says it took away her breath. I believe an encounter with the church of Jesus Christ, I'm not just talking about a Sunday service, but with the church, the people, the living stones, the body, the family, the, an encounter with the church of Jesus Christ, I believe, with the glorious church, should take the breath away from the world. They should go, wow. I've, I say this all the time here in Citygate. You know, the church needs the wow factor. And I'm not just talking about lighting and LED screens and whatever else. I'm talking about the wow factor of the love of God, the wow factor of incredible forgiveness, incredible compassion, faith which moves mountains, joy which is contagious and explosive. There's, there needs to be a wow factor in the church today. How's your packaging? Perhaps we've got great things to say, but it's, perhaps it's in old clothes. Perhaps it's you know, presented in a way that doesn't speak into a society, I believe with all of my heart 
that there's the power of preaching, there's the power of the message for people to come to Christ. But as a person, we need to wear the message well. And finally today, there was obviously a response. These people were stirred. They were stirred. They were cut to the heart. Something so happened on the inside of them, it was absolutely supernatural. It wasn't just an intellectual decision of, oh, I think I'll give this a go. It was, I'm cut to the heart. What must I do to be saved? And it's clear in the Bible that the response has also got to be clear to repent and to believe and to be baptized. To repent means to think a different way. Means to think you were going over there, now you're going over there. Your whole life's going in a different direction. The way you thought is not how you think today. You've changed your mind about your own life. You've changed your mind about who God is. Now, it's not something we can actually do on our own. It needs God's word to come in. It needs the Holy Spirit. But to repent really means to turn around, to change your mind. You've been going that way and you turn your life around by the power and the grace of God and you go in completely the opposite, you know, towards God, a completely new direction. See, to repent is not just a, I put my toe in the water. It's a complete turnaround. I preached just the other week about the God of the turnaround. And he is the God of the turnaround. He wants to turn your life around, not just to clean it up a little bit. He wants to turn our lives around. And, and obviously to repent when you receive Christ means a whole life change. But all the way through our lives, once we've received Jesus as Lord, there's going to be constant repentance. There's going to be constant turning around. There's going to be constant, um, you know, it says, doesn't it, that our whole lives are transformed as our minds are renewed, as we think completely new thoughts inspired and created by God's word to repent stirred something in the emotions, informed their intellect. It created a response and led people to Jesus Christ, to repent and then to believe. The amplified version of the Bible, every time the word believe is there, I think I'm right in saying it says to trust in, to cling to, and to rely upon Jesus. See, to be part of the glorious church is not attending on a Sunday. To be part of the glorious church is not seeing something online. To be part of the glorious church is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and then trust him with all your heart. You can trust him with your marriage. You can trust him with your kids. You can trust him with your finances. You can tr um, uh, trust him with your physical health. You can, with your business, with everything. You can trust Jesus Christ. I said this the other Sunday, Easter Sunday, because I know who holds my future. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I can trust him with my life. Why? Because I believe in Jesus Christ. And finally, he says to be baptized. This is the response we have, to be baptized. That's not a very cultural thing today. It was in Bible times. People were baptized for all sorts of things. But... As a Christian, to be baptized is absolutely, can I put it like this, part of the salvation package. Really, really important that people are baptized. It's not just, oh, I think I'll go to church. No, it's repent, believe, and be baptized. And there they were baptized the same day. I want to encourage you today, if you've never been baptized as a believer, not as a baby, as a believer, that you need to be baptized as an adult, as a teenager, 
Somebody who said yes to Jesus Christ. Baptism is such a powerful thing. I could, I could spend half an hour talking about the power of baptism. You know, it really speaks in the Bible of the fact that our old life has been put into the grave and our brand new life has been raised from the dead. It also speaks of our old life like circumcision. Our old life has been completely cut away and we're living a brand new life for God. It also speaks about the time that all the children of Israel had the Egyptian army who were you know, coming up, up to destroy them and they had the Red Sea in front of them and they were trapped and God opened the Red Sea and they went through the Red Sea out into the desert you know, on the journey to the promised land and all the Egyptian army were drowned in the Red Sea. The Bible says that's a type of baptism as well. You see, baptism is such a powerful thing. Some people say, oh, I don't know if I'll be baptized. I'll oh, think about it. Come on, there needs to be something of conviction on the inside. These people were cut to the heart and they were baptized that day. It's a powerful decision that says, I am going to live for Jesus Christ. My old life has gone. All the old enemies are drowned. All the old habits have died. And I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ. I'm excited about this series. We're going to find out about this glorious church and how a healthy church was built and grew but the entry point into the church, come on, is, is to repent and to believe and to be baptized and to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. I'm going to encourage you today to do just that. Obviously, the first step is to say, Jesus, I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. I receive you today. Come into my life. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer right now to do just that. I'm going to ask you to pray out loud. These people were crying. They were shouting out. I'm not going to ask you to do that, but I am going to ask you to pray out loud and to say this word after word after me to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Let's pray together. Let's say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you've shown your love through sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to give me life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I receive you today as my Lord and as my Saviour. I turn away from the way I've lived apart from you. And by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I receive eternal life. Amen. Friend, if you've prayed that prayer, you've done exactly what they did in Acts chapter 2. They've received Jesus Christ as Lord and you've received Jesus Christ as Lord. It's the first step of a whole new journey of being part of the church of Jesus Christ, what God is doing around the world and has been for 2,000 years. There's going to be other steps. We're going to encourage you to find a, a church in your area. If you're anywhere near Southeast London, we'd love you to come and be a part of Citygate Church. But you know what? There are thousands of churches across the UK and thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands around the world where people love God, they preach the Bible, and they invite in the power of the Holy Spirit, and they love people and serve their community. So I'm going to say goodbye for this week and just encourage you all to go and help make somebody else's life great. Come on, the preached Word of God can set the captives free, open the blind eyes, heal the sick, but at the very top of the list is see people come to Christ. Jesus said, go into all the world 
and preach the gospel. Why don't you believe God for opportunities this week to share your personal testimony, to talk to somebody about what God has done in your life. And I'll see you next Sunday.